Welcome to this week's episode of A Whole Lot of BS Podcast presented by Revolution Sports Performance. Today we go into part two with Rob Hill from Driveline and talk about technology in baseball and player development and how the two have been combined recently and uh, what we're looking forward to the future of developing baseball players and athletes. We also talk about specifically youth training with weighted baseballs. How young should they start? What does that protocol look like? And how can we start using these tools to help prevent arm injuries at an early age? Uh, and also talk about uh, the age to start throwing curveballs and breaking balls for youth pitchers, as that's also been a, a huge debate topic over the years. Uh, we finished up with some rapid fire questions and some advice to young coaches. Great stuff from Rob again. Always uh, look forward to hearing your feedback and future ideas for podcast episodes enjoy okay we're here with part two with rob hill from driveline and today we're going to start off by talking about all the technology that's being used in baseball uh, if you listen to really any broadcast now you will either see statcast stat, uh, data or hear the commentators speaking about training devices that players are using or possibly bashing launch angle or something of the sort that they probably <laughs> don't understand. Um, so I wanted Rob to break down all the different things they're doing at driveline. Now they have a ton of new toys that they're experimenting with and have just been, really been on um, the forefront of the uh, figuring out how to use these devices from the edgetronic and the Rapsodo to pitch FX um, on down the line to the the new hitters glasses. Um, so Rob, if you can just speak about everything you guys are doing and then uh, we'll get into a little bit like what we can actually do with these devices instead of just, sure. you know, kind of wasting money on them. Yeah, sure. So uh, a lot of the stuff we do at least currently with, with the new stuff that's coming out. So perfect example would be like a, a Yacker tech. We just recently got one of those units installed. Um, and we're the first thing we pretty much do is just like validate it against the other things we have. What is that? Uh, a Yakutech is like a, another pitch uh, quality, like a pitch measuring device, similar to like a Repsoto or a TrackMan. Uh, where it's different than like a TrackMan is it's uh, optics based instead of uh, being radar based. So uh, they they say that the the readings will be more accurate. And I mean we're we're still validating it, so I don't really I'm not exactly sure where we're at on that, but. Uh, yeah, it's just another thing. It pretty much gives you almost a similar, the same readings as a Rapsodo would. So, you know, your horizontal vertical break, spin rate, miles per hour, all that stuff. So uh, it's looking promising so far. Um, they're, they're saying that potentially they could integrate our stuff with, uh, with a camera to get, like, overlays automatically, which would be cool. But uh, I, guess, I guess we'll see. So um, other than that, we, uh, we have the Rapsodo 2.0. We still have some uh, older Rapsodo 1.0s that we use for pitch design sessions. Um, we have the TrackMan Mobile. We have a we have a pitch effects system installed in our main cage in uh, the main training facility, uh, and that's more so for like the the pitching side. And then we have a a HitTrax mobile unit uh, in the research lab. We have a HitTrax standard unit in the uh, main training facility, and then uh, on the hitting side, those guys are starting to get some really cool toys because there for a while there there wasn't a lot of stuff. But now they have the things like the blast sensors and the K-Vest and uh, the notch sensors, which is kind of similar to K-Vest, which are basically show hitters, uh, the way that they sequence. And uh, ideally, obviously, you want it to be a certain way. And I don't know too much about that stuff, so I won't speak to it. But that's just some of the, the new tech that we got going currently. And I, know, I also know that we're actually looking into potentially uh, using different high-speed cameras. Uh, Griffin Gowdy, who's uh, been a recent hire, uh, used to work for the Astros and uh, in uh, Pro Bowl. He's uh, really getting into, he's, he's doing a lot of the hitting stuff. So he's getting into 
potential uh, other cameras that we could use for just you know the more the more high speed video we can get of our athletes the better so that's kind of what we're doing so the out of all those things uh the ones that you are using primarily in your job position are the edgertronic and the Rapsodo, correct yes sir and uh, i would also i also say those are probably the most widely accepted and used across baseball right now yeah yeah currently i'd agree with that um but also yeah I kind of I kind of have to use a little bit of everything specifically in my job because it's just like okay. pitch analyzing pitch quality, and we just use as much stuff as we pretty much can. Yeah, to just the best to get just kind of the best picture of everything. So, um, but yes, primarily within within pitch design sessions and in times when I'm doing uh, the most of my coaching is, is with the reps out of the Edutronic. Okay, so can you talk specifically to those two devices and how you combine the two um, in your job and and what you're trying to get with each one? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, uh, in a pitch design session, ideally I'll be set up behind uh, the athlete and just kind of, uh, as I'm like looking at his, his pen or whatever, uh, we're ideally focusing on like ball release. So we can see like how the ball comes out and then uh rep soto will give us a reading. And then you just basically look at those two things in conjunction with each other. And it gives you like a pretty good frame of reference of like, all right, so good example of a guy, uh, yesterday is he was, having trouble oh yeah perfect okay so uh a kid yesterday was having trouble uh figuring out how to throw a slider because he's uh he's a guy who has very high spin efficiency on his fastball everything has uh and like from a relatively like from from like a three-quarter ish slot so he uh is gonna have trouble turning things over so like turning over uh breaking balls to get things to like break laterally to the glove side and so what we do with him is like all right like let's throw a slider throws one comes back it's like okay that that had quite a bit of backspin didn't really have like the bullet spin we were looking for and then you wait for uh, the episode of reading to pop up and that, that's where you get that information and then on the tv screen uh we have the electronic running obviously so then it shows us you know all right here's what your hand was doing and then you, you pull up the clip again watch it like a bunch of times here's here's what your hand was doing here this is what caused the ball to do this and then because Repsoto gives you the ball representation as well uh it just helps because you can see the ball representation in animation and then see how your hand created that sort of animation. Gotcha, so that, yeah. that helps kind of, yeah, that helps kind of bridge the gap for guys of like, Oh, okay. Well I felt this. So that, that's kind of more when I come in, it's like you have the objective data, which is fantastic, obviously, but then how do you bridge the gap between the data and like getting the athlete to like understand what they need to feel or what they need to do is kind yeah. of the next step. So, so it's feel versus like, real, correct? Definitely. Yeah. So, so he's like, Oh, I feel like I'm completely, you know, karate chopping this ball and it's, it, it should be like coming out like a football. I don't understand why. So I'm like, okay, well, uh, usually a fix for, for guys like that is like, all right, well, um, let's look, get, try to get the feel of like a true 12, six curveball, like try to throw the back of your hand, try to like supinate this thing completely. And then let's see what happens. So the fix for him yesterday was a combination of that and like a slight grip adjustment because we noticed that uh, on the camera, we noticed that his index finger was like deflecting the ball very, very late to cause it to uh, lift rather than like to slip off the side. And so uh, we decided, okay, let's, let's see what happens if we get the index finger out of there. Let's throw a spike grip and then let's uh, try to like throw like, like a curveball, quote unquote, like in your yeah. head, you're throwing a 12, six banger. And uh, then he threw up, he throws it and we, we got the result that we wanted uh, a couple like 300 jump in RPMs and a nice little, nice little gyro slider to uh, pair with his uh, laterally breaking fastball. So it's pretty sweet. 
Um, but yeah, and, you say, and you say gyro slider because you actually want the spin efficiency to be a little worse on the slider than you would on a fastball or curveball, correct? Uh, typically, yeah. Um, it kind of it kind of depends because you can have it, it. Really, is just it really all is based on like how their fastball profiles. Okay. And like what and what they're capable of doing. So I mean, ideally, we would have a slider with a slight lateral component just to create like some more separation between the fastball and the slider. But uh, for him, because he has such issues getting something to break to the glove side, uh, we'll take a gyro slider because this is also a kid who throws in the the mid to like upper 90s. So having something that is like essentially not moving like a gyro slider would be, uh, it would just like drop due to gravity because it's predominantly bullet spun, still creates a significant amount of of, uh, separation between the fastball. And uh, yeah, so it'll be a usable pitch. Obviously, if we could get a little bit of horizontal with it, that'd be fantastic. But you know, it is what it is for now. It'll definitely work. So with using this technology, I mean, you know, obviously old-timey coaches, you you know, would use a objective just vision to say we want the ball looking the same out of the hand. So you yeah. can, you know, obviously now objective, objectively uh, quantify that. And then you can also try to misprove or prove the typical things you hear, like, uh, you know, if it's a, if it's a sinker guy, we're going to go slider or if it's a four yeah, yeah. fastball guy, we are going to go, you know, 12, six hammer. So how yeah, do you, yeah, yeah. you know, is it hard for people to, to come around if, if like, Hey, you're a sinker guy, but you can also throw a really good curveball because of what you think of, or, I mean, do you run into problems yeah, yeah. going against that? Yeah, um, typically we don't run into too many issues because usually the guys like are here because they're tired of, of people like trying to impose things on them for yeah. no reason. And so if there's actually a reason guys are usually pretty cool with it, I've ran into like a couple of guys who are like, who they don't quite understand what the stuff is telling them or like why something is good or why something is bad. And then they're a little bit resistant, but then in the, for the most part, if we just explain it well, they're like, Oh, okay. That totally makes sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I will actually check myself sometimes. Cause you know, like, I'll be like, okay, like, I think I got a pretty like decent feel for this. Like let me and uh, Bill, he's will be like, all right, let's, let's play the eye test game. Yeah. So, uh, like during a session, a guy will throw a pitch and uh, we'll try to like guess the metrics and be like, Oh, I think that was it. Like, I think that's what we're looking for. Blah, blah, blah. blah. And like 99.9% of the time we're wrong. So it just kind of, <laughs> it's pretty like. And then uh, you sit there and watch it all day and then see the readings. Right. So it's just, yeah. it just goes to show how, how really unreliable our own eyes are. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Because like, there's just so much more that goes into it than your eyes. And like thinking, thinking about all the times that I would like watch a pen, no radar gun, like no whatever. And be like, Oh, my pitches look good. Or like so-and-so's yeah. pitches look good. It's just like, I literally had no idea. Yeah. And that's just kind of ridiculous knowing, knowing like what I've seen now. But yeah. Uh, um, oh yeah. I mean, I, between my, go ahead. Oh, I know. I was just going to say, um, with, with guys in terms of like a choosing which pitches to throw, uh, a lot of it comes down to just like a comfortability and like usability and then like applicability and like how well it will work with our arsenal. Typically like a guy who has a lower slot, slightly like a, maybe like a, like a high three or like a like a three quarter or like a lower guy will be more adept at throwing like pitches that break laterally or as yeah. like a guy over the top or as like a guy who's over the top will just it'll be easier for him to like create significantly more vertical break than like anything else on like a breaking wall so that's just like one quick example of, of what you were mentioning earlier yeah and, and the other thing that i feel like i hear a lot is um you know if someone's coming out of the bullpen they want more of like a fastball slider like two hard late breaking pitches and not 
the traditional curveball. Yeah, sure. Or I mean, it's like, you know, slider splitter type thing. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I don't I can't necessarily speak to that in terms of like what that team would want, but like I think that just whatever whatever is really, really good will will play. Yeah. And, and it seems that like which is good for us, like the Velo is king these days. Yep. Uh, yeah, creating creating a hard breaking ball there with like a, a, a mid to high ninety fastball seems to be to be a pretty decent recipe for success. Yeah, well, this and I, I love this stuff too. And obviously, looking back on our playing days, I'm sure we both would have loved to have this type of advantage. But I think about between my my summer, between my junior and senior year in college, um, I tried to develop a sinker because the the wind was blowing out like every game at our home park. So I was like, well, my best chance for this is, you know, I'd throw a good pitch and pop the ball. If someone hit a pop-up and I'd be turning around to watch someone catch a fly ball and then the ball's out of the yard. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, the answer to that in your head is like, okay, well, if I get something to sink, then I don't care what the velocity is as much. They'll beat it in the ground. Well, that's not necessarily the answer because if I had a good forcing fastball that had high spin rate, high spin efficiency – Maybe I just go higher up in the zone and then pair that with yeah. more of a twelve to curveball, you know. So I, I yeah, I, yeah. Like looking back on, it, I wasted entire summer trying to do something that I that never really worked out for me, and I didn't even get. Like, I, I kind of gave up on it because I didn't know I was searching in the dark for something, and it probably yeah. wasn't the best thing for me. Yeah, that's and that's just like the realization. It's like, wait, I actually didn't really know why I wanted to do this. I just like heard or thought that it would be a good idea. Yeah, you know, and, it, and that definitely is that definitely happens to a lot of guys because that that even still happens with our guys. Is they'll just be like, "Hey, uh, I was looking at my stuff, and I think that like I need to fix my entire like change up, and it's so screwed up, and it's so bad, and like all this stuff." And then like I'll be like, "Why?" And they're like, "Well, on on the Soto like layout, it, it has like a similar like movement profile, or uh, it like plots like similarly." And I'll look at it, and it has like six inches of vertical separation and like it has like 600 rpms less and it has more horizontal movement and the axis is shifted so like it's it's literally a completely different pitch and it's like actually a very good pitch but they still yeah. will get dumbed up and like we'll still get dumbed up and think that like it's not good or or whatever and they'll want to change they'll want to overhaul everything because they just like think that it's so i mean although it's definitely gotten better with that kind of stuff it's still it still definitely happens because you know, you know how baseball players are. They're just constantly searching for the next thing that'll make them good or, or whatever. So. Right. Especially us pitchers. But I also love the fact that you now have more um, guidance and, and understanding of like, hey, like this curveball is really good. I just can't throw it from a strike now. Like stick with it. Type yeah. Thing. Instead yeah. of being like, well, you can't throw the curveball for a strike. Um, you know, therefore we're going to bang it and just go slider now. So yeah, yeah, and that that definitely like has to be that that definitely is, is is different on the guy and just how he reacts to like like struggling with a pitch. Like some guys will just kind of like want to figure it out with every like fiber of their being, and then other guys will just like fold and be like, all right, well this clearly isn't going to work. You know, they might be like under some more duress or whatever in terms of like needing to figure this pitch out, and then like that's when you kind of have to evaluate like, all right, what do we really need to get done here? Like, uh, what what do you need? What are the number one? What's the number one priority like for your success? And that's kind of where we go from there. Yeah, that's a great point because I would want to just develop the, the nastiest stuff possible, but there's a deadline on something. You need a breaking ball to get someone out and you need to be able to throw it for a strike. So, uh, exactly. Yeah. And, that, and that's where like having live ABs is so great because we can just mm-hmm. literally like someone can throw a pitch design. Like this is going to happen to, uh, in two days. The kid that I was talking about earlier with uh, the slider, like trying to figure that out, like he threw 
I think 30 sliders yesterday in a fish design session because we'd already <laughs> had a couple, we already had a couple sessions together and, uh, he threw, he threw on our pro day and like, uh, so we, we literally made this pitch from when he got here in late April. He was throwing like a 60, like, I'm not kidding. His first fastball, his baseline is 94. We're like, shit. All right. This kid's pretty good. Yeah. And then, uh, and then he, he throws all of his fastballs, averages like 93. We're like, okay, sweet. And then, uh, like, all right, breaking ball. Like, let's, let's check out your breaking ball on your baseline. And it's like 68 to 70 miles an hour and just like terrible. That makes <laughs> me like, feel okay. good because my breaking ball is 68 miles an hour. uh but uh i was like all right uh hey man so i'm rob you know whatever uh i do a lot of the fishing stuff here uh you're gonna throw in our pro day 100 percent, but it's like we can't roll that breaking ball out (laughs) yeah like pro scouts are gonna be like yeah they'll put the gun away real quick on that one yeah so the number one thing we just focused on literally for three weeks uh up until the, the pro day was was developing some sort of usable slider and he was able to throw a decent one but it wasn't as good as it could be. So then that's what uh, we that's what we chopped up yesterday. We we took the stuff that our analyst uh, gave to me, and we're just like, hey, he needs to do this. Like try this, blah blah. blah. And it was kind of what we had already been doing, but also like it was really good to hear from from someone else as to like why it would be good, and uh, just kind of reinforced that like that needed to be the priority. And we had had we'd gotten it to profile as we wanted it to, uh, in in like uh, lower intent sessions, like right before the pro day, but then. Uh, obviously on pro day at higher intent it kind of got away from what we wanted but uh, we yeah. we got it back yesterday so it's definitely frustrating but uh guys if they're if they're in on it then they can get it done so that was that was a really good example of a kid who could like stick with it which was awesome so, like, so, he, I, he literally got it in the last like six pitches of the session like we threw 30 of them and he threw six good ones so like that's a pretty frustrating task when it's just like throw like everything i got like adjustment whatever and then it's like uh shit that's par- that's terrible like <laughs> okay 24 in a row bad ones then yeah like ones. back to the drawing board all right uh athletes try to all right do this here we go and then all right you know you know what to do nothing changes like let's, let's yeah. do it and then bad one bad one bad one all right okay let's okay that didn't work for you know six pitches let's try this oh there it is like and then finally it's <laughs> and then he's able to repeat it which is huge because i imagine that exactly. you can that, throw that, one good one and then 10 more bad ones exactly so it's, it's it's literally like all right like we got it that's it put that in your head try to repeat that and then we'll see if they repeat it we'll kind of like track what happens in terms of like all right uh when you try to repeat it this happened um let's try it with this or whatever and then uh yeah so luckily once he got it back yesterday he was able to keep it so that was pretty sweet and it just got better as he because he figured it out more so yeah that's that awesome good. So, so you're getting information from an analyst that's from his when he threw him in the pro day, or from when he threw yeah. in, or so he he's looking at it's the pro day. Guy, it's for, yeah, it's from our guys. I just okay. asked uh, uh, Dana Coin, who okay. uh, does some of our uh, data stuff that you might have seen on Twitter. Yeah, and I was like, Yo, Dano, uh, like, how is this kid slider on pro day? Like, if you could give me a quick blurb, that'd be sweet. And then uh, kind of just wrote me up a bunch of stuff, and then like gave me some like comps to to guys in pro ball. And okay. It just it just helped paint me an even better picture of like how actually because I, I didn't necessarily uh, make the choice to add this pitch for him uh, based on anything. It was more so just like all right, well we cannot throw a sixty-eight mile an hour curveball. Yeah, and like if this guy's going to be a like professional reliever, he's going to need something that breaks harder. Uh, this curveball also isn't really a, a good curveball. It doesn't have like a lot of 
the, the spin efficiency is pretty low. It doesn't have a lot of vertical break. So like, I don't think the throwing curveball is going to be good. Let's try to throw a slider. It just makes way more sense. So then having Dan kind of uh, reiterate the fact that like, that would be a good pitch helped me out a lot in terms of just like, all right, we're actually doing the right thing here. We just need to like make it good. Right. That's awesome. Um, that's yeah. one of my favorite things about what you guys do is how well the departments work together uh, to, yeah. Yeah, to help an too. athlete out. Definitely. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk about some yeah. youth training. Uh, obviously, yeah. you know, with everything that's gone on with arm problems over the last, I don't know, 30 years now, um, yes, sir. you know, looking at Little League pitch counts and travel ball that goes on where guys are playing six games in a weekend and all that sort of thing. Uh, what do you guys do for younger pitchers? Let's and, and like, how young do you start with a way to ball program or a plyo ball program? And just take me through, I guess, your whole uh, youth throwing philosophy. Sure. So uh, I actually did quite a bit of youth training last summer, all through the fall and like all through the winter. So I, right. I was uh, me, me and Brian Lugley and uh, Devin Morgan sort of headed up that department in terms of the throwing stuff. And uh, Devin also the hitting, and then Max Gordon. And uh, Tanner Stokey did a lot of, and Colin Hepsler did a lot of this stuff with uh, the hitting. Um, so for us, it's pretty much like first and foremost, it is just like let the kids throw the ball. Like very little actual coaching. Um, obviously, we we change the ball weights quite a bit, so they're not you know ripping the the two pound green ball. But we'll let them throw like the blue ball, and sometimes the green ball for the older kids if they're like over thirteen, we'll let them do like reverse throws. Sometimes pivot picks with the green ball, but for the most part, it's blue ball and red ball only. And then we'll let them go all the way down uh, to like the yellow and the gray, obviously. Um, but uh, it's it's more so rooted in like uh, games. So instead of it's like, all right, let's have a practice on our mechanics today. It's like, all right, we're going to try to hit this target and it has to be above X, Y uh, velocity uh, for your age. Like, And uh, we've, we've had as young as eight-year-olds, I believe, in the facility. And uh, it, was, it was pretty cool. This one dad reached out to us uh, a couple months after. And he's like, he's never had this much fun playing baseball. Like, he can't wait till the next session starts. And, like, that that's the stuff we love. So, yeah, I, I'd say just our main philosophy is pretty much just, like, make it fun. Make it a game. Don't, like, overcoach and try to, like, do too much with the kids. Because at the end of the day, like, they're just kids trying to enjoy a game that a lot of them most likely won't be committed to for the rest of their life. So, let's just like make it fun while we can and uh, keep it fun before they get into a situation where some coach is taking it way too seriously. So yeah, I'd, I'd say that's the stuff. Everything's, you know, focused around gamification for the most part, training at high intent, not thinking, just, just playing. So yeah, I'd say those are main philosophies around youth training. What if you get a kid in who's doing some, has a major arm path flaw where they're getting to like a serious invert W or super late um, getting their arm up or something where, it, it would normally cause for a flat, a red flag for like an injury um, possibility. Sure. Sure. So we, we have all of our kids uh, do the motion capture uh, analysis, like uh, in, in the research lab when they first get there. And so that, that'll give us a pretty good uh, like picture as to like what's going on in terms of their body. We also have them see our in-house uh, physical therapist, Terry Phillips, uh, pretty very, very regularly. And a lot of the kids get like shut down because they, they show signs of just like being weak or, or whatever when they get there. Um, if they show like a major arm flaw, it'll, it'll pretty much just be like, we're obviously going to be way more careful with the younger kids. So just like, you know, whether that be because like, we'll, we'll take a certain ball away or just like try to explain to them in like as simple terms as possible, uh, like what's going on and like why they should clean it up. Uh, but a lot of the time, if there's, if there's no like real issues 
in terms of like they're not feeling any pain or like nothing really negative is going on, we will like just let them throw. Um, but just make sure that the intent is not is not anything high at all. So like we'll just monitor their we'll just adjust their program, monitor their program to the point where they're not really letting it rip. And then over time we'll like retest and see uh, if those changes have taken place. And then it, it really is like as long as they don't have like pain or discomfort and they're not complaining and they're not grabbing their arm and we're pretty vigilant with, with that kind of stuff, um, then we kind of just let them go. And we haven't really had any issues. Luckily, just I think that by and large because like the kids no, they they understand not to go too hard, and then we just have like resources like Terry to, to help us out and inform our decisions. So that's uh, that kind of speaks kind of speaks to your point of the departments working together pretty well. Big time. And uh, these kids are doing some type of strength training program along with their throwing program in this scenario. Yep. So that, yeah. So they're doing. Uh, James Kimmerer uh, is one of our strength trainers here, who uh, headed up a lot of the youth uh, strength training. And yeah, they uh, it's it's very much just like basics you know, learning how to just like move the body in space, doing like your basic squat, your basic hinge uh, presses, stuff like that. But it's uh, it's all pretty just learning the basics and, and the kids actually get a great result out of it just because they've literally never trained before. So it's, it's pretty sweet. And they actually, uh, and, and we, we do it in a group setting. So it's like they're always with each other and they're never just like doing random stuff like yeah. unsupervised. It's, it's in a group and uh, they're all just getting after it together. So they kind of learn that sort of team atmosphere that, that they would see in like a high school or a college setting. So it's, it's pretty fun to watch, honestly. So you're telling me that kids can get a benefit out of working out and doing a throwing program and not playing 10 games a weekend? Yeah, I know. Crazy, right? Are you sure? I don't know yeah. if that's actually allowed. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's pretty, it sounds a pretty good result. Yeah, it's yeah. just the, the the six games a weekend blows my mind. I I can't get over yeah, it. And we'll just a lot of the kids also would like it was tough sometimes because like kids would just leave on like a let's say it's like a Saturday or sorry let's say it's like a like a Friday. I remember these these two kids would be like, all right, we got to go. We have like practice over at this like other facility, and I'm like, what? We just we just threw for like yeah. five minutes and like. We, you guys just hit for an hour and like, what do you mean you have practice now? But it's like, okay, so then you don't, you just curtail their program. So it's like, all right, you're only going to throw three days a week and you're going to throw here. And then when you get to practice, you're going to tell your coach like, oh, hey, I can't do throwing for my position today, like, but I can hit or whatever. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I completely agree. And like, I didn't really realize like how much I was doing when I was, you know, 12, 13, whatever. But like now looking at like how much these kids are doing, I'm like, holy smokes, like how did I do that? Like how did I play on on three teams at once and like not like how did that happen? But you know Yeah, we have kids playing like six to eight games a week. Yeah, that's insane. And it's like you're putting your body under like more your your body is playing more games than Mike Trout. And let's just compare the two of you physically and let me know which one is is better equipped to handle that kind of um, intensity. Yeah, I, I think uh, my 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 bets on trout. I totally yeah. agree. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's like, dude, you're you're five two, ninety five pounds, and you're trying to play more games than a, a grown man. Yeah, and like that's one of the places where, luckily, like thank God for parents like Devin Morgan, who uh, heads up our uh, customer relations and does a lot of the youth program stuff. Like, and his kids come train at Driveline, but he's just so adamant about like the reversal of how little league is structured. And just how things like should change, and so like I think that his kid Danny is going to be pretty unbelievable when he's older. He's ten years old. He's throwing like in the sixties already, 
but it's just from like being smart with games, like not playing too much, just like training and just like keeping it fun, you know? So yeah, no, absolutely. I, I hope, I hope to see more of a, I hope, I hope to be at one point in my life, a parent like Devin with like my kid because yeah. I'm able to. Yeah. If, it, if things don't change, my, my kid's coach is going to hate me. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely going to hate me. Yeah. I I can't, I, I just like to think about having to argue with some little league coach someday about like, yeah. I'm not letting my kid do this stuff. And it just like, uh, well, I don't in, in Orlando too, they'll play a tournament the weekend of December 7th and they have tryouts January 15th. Oh my God. And so what? it's like, yeah, it's like, well, uh, if you want my kid on the team, then um, Halloween is the last day he's going to play. And then, he will play on the in the spring team that starts in March if he doesn't have tryout. And yeah, if that's a problem. We'll go somewhere else. And so I don't I don't know how many people are going to take well to that, but that's going to be. Hey, you know, but goes. like I, I respect that significantly more than the, the people who will just put their kids at risk just because they like yeah. don't know. You know. Oh yeah, he's going to get behind if he doesn't play on on the team. It's like no. Yeah. Three fourths of those kids aren't going to play high school baseball, so. Um, all right, so let's transition. I'm glad you brought up Devin Morgan's kid because I think I saw you doing some pitch design with him um, yeah. and working on a breaking ball. So let's go over like his age and how you teach the breaking ball and what you guys know uh, through your in-house research on younger kids throwing breaking balls. Sure, yeah. Um, so the, that's actually pretty funny with Danny is that uh, Devin uh, messaged me and was like, hey, uh, do you think we could do like a pitch design like sort of thing with Danny? Just was like, he started throwing this weird pitch and like, it just started moving all weird. And like, I don't know like what the, like what the deal is. Cause like, I don't know that much about like the pitches and stuff. I'm like, yeah, dude, like for sure. Like you're my, you're my guy. So we, uh, we like got him in there, got the camera going and then just like he threw it. And I was like, that is a like pretty much bullet slider. Like how did you figure out how to do that, Danny? Like what is going on? And he's just like, oh, I don't know. It's like, ripped it and threw it so we didn't necessarily like that that's the funny part is like we didn't necessarily like teach that pitch to him he kind of just like did it and uh i, I didn't really know what to say because it was just like really good and then i guess he's he's uh so Devin obviously being being the smart parent that he is like limits the amount that he'll let danny throw the pitch which is super smart but uh yeah i mean i i personally haven't seen a ton of like research on like breaking balls for youth athletes or anything like that so i, I can't really speak to that but I thought that was one funny instance of like someone just kind of literally figuring out how to throw one and like throwing it at high intent and then seeming to be fine. So that's where, you know, having a smart parent that limits that comes in also too, I guess. And how old is he? He's 10. So do you guys have a general guideline for what you do with like 10 to 12 year olds with breaking balls or is it just like uh, a per, per case basis? Uh, not that I know of. And, and a lot of the stuff that we did with the youth program here wasn't super um, like pitch pitch development specific it was more so yeah. like physical development so I, I mean at some point I think that that will be something that we will work on more so but uh, as of now I, I don't believe we have anything uh, structured in place but obviously like we we try to teach just the fundamentals of throwing a fastball well throwing the ball hard and uh, just like being physically able to do those things adequately yeah what what about I mean have you looked at like cutter stress on the elbow compared to like a 12 six curveball stress on the elbow even in adults um i don't know if we have to be completely honest um i know we we did a modus validation study a few years ago and that thing is a little bit suspect in terms of uh 
just like what it actually gives you. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the, the torque and, and all that stuff, there's, there's other research out there by other people that kind of found the same thing. But um, so I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know if we've done anything specifically uh, for those pitches, but I think that could be honestly something we could do in, in the motion capture lab and just check like elbow various torque uh, at different pitches. So that, that actually gives me a pretty good idea that I might run by a couple of people. I'll give you credit. Yeah, no, that'd be great. Well, my nephew's 12, so I'm running in all these things myself with, definitely yeah someone that age and he's the kind of kid that like plays MLB the show all the time watches a ton of baseball so if he's throwing a bullpen with me he wants to throw you know like eight different pitches yeah yeah of course yeah dude we're not doing that and he's like let me throw a knuckle curve let me throw a regular curve let me throw a slider let me throw you know and okay well let's figure out what's you know he's at the point where he needs to throw some type of breaking ball and I want to make it you know as safe as possible um, yeah, I think I think really what it comes down to is just like making sure that the use isn't super high. Like obviously you want him to like throw it, but just like make yeah. sure that he has like a certain amount uh, where whatever you you end up figuring out uh, is like a good a good amount for him in terms of like what his workload is like. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, like, I, don't, I don't think there's control him that. That's a problem one. though. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> you know, it's working with him occasionally and hoping that. The problem is if he develops it and it's too good and his coach likes it, you know, it's out pitch, what's more yeah, likely yeah. going to happen, you know? It's, so it's almost yeah. like, what, do I just wait to get to really work with him on anything so it's not good, so he's not throwing it a lot? Like, is that how I limit the options? But then that obviously puts him at a disadvantage, so. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, where it kind of becomes tough because I, I don't necessarily think there's any, like, evil pitch or anything like that because ultimately it'll just, like, if, if, it, if a pitch is going to bother him, it's going to come down to, like, his anatomy. And like the way that like the the hand unwinds and the arm unwinds like as he releases, so it's just kind of like it's it's a catch twenty two, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. My my answer would always would be the cutter, but I think that that's not. I mean, I have no scientific proof for that. It's just what seems that he would be less likely to like really snap his elbow with throwing. You know, sure. it'd be more of a natural yeah. motion for him. So. Yeah, sure. I mean, perhaps that uh, that could be something to work with, definitely. And, like, at that – how old is he, did you say? Twelve. Yeah, so, I mean, at that age, like, anything with a little bit of a wrinkle is going to freak some people exactly. out. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's enough where – and he'll probably, you know, because he's 12, try to do a little bit more with it, and so it'll break a little bit more than you actually want it to for a cutter, and then it's a decent breaking pitch. So, definitely. we'll see. Um, okay, let's – Younger coaches getting into the field, either, I mean, you guys do a little bit of everything, um, strength conditioning, or uh, we'll call it like a new age baseball coach doing pitch design with what you're doing or what the, what sure. the hitting guys at, at your facility do. What kind of advice would you give to them? And, and what, um, if there's like suggested readings or internships or uh, just career path advice you would give them? Yeah, um, my number one thing would be to like produce content. Um, because it's, it's just getting more and more competitive out there in terms of like people getting certifications and uh, producing things and, you know, getting this, this job and, and doing this study or whatever. So put out content and like do like make projects, like create things to get people to like pay attention to what you're doing. And uh, whether, and that doesn't necessarily have to be something on paper. It could be, you know, like you, your project was you developed, you know, this amount of guys and you, they did these things and like documenting everything is absolutely huge. So that's like another big thing, obviously that we're kind of known for is just like, we write everything down, uh, not necessarily write anymore, but we track everything sure that, yeah, we make sure that everything has an origin and we, and we uh, go based off that. So 
that's that's my biggest piece of advice to guys especially because like like obviously you have to know your stuff first and foremost but then you have to like even if you don't know your stuff write down that you don't know it or write down the yeah, process right. of like you learning like uh, like include every possible thing that you can um because that's that's really like being up as upfront and as honest and as objective as possible is, is kind of what i would do and then uh the biggest one that i see a lot with guys even guys who come to visit is just like the lack of like a the ability to effectively communicate information to like vast groups of people yep. like obviously obviously you need the technical knowledge 100% and that's like an area where i've been uh focusing on a lot lately because like i've always been pretty good with people and like pretty good feel in terms of how to get people better but uh the area that i lacked was just like the technical skill so like that's where i've i've been crushing lately uh that's where i've been putting my main focus of just like i need to get way better at knowing these like things and then being able to implement them and so that that's the other piece of advice is, is once you have a pretty good understanding of like what you need to do like get good at speaking if you don't know how to speak to people or you don't know how to like tell an athlete how to get them better uh figure that out like study human behavior do whatever you need to do to kind of like get an actual understanding of like how things work so that's that's my my big advice for sure, um, because you meet so many guys who are so smart and like it happens all the time. I, I know a ton of guys who are just I would consider almost like genius level yeah. in terms of what they know, but they have such a hard time communicating that it, it really hinders like how good they could be, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So. Yeah, I mean, unless you're going to be a coder or some type of computer programmer, you have to be able to interact with people in any in any job. Exactly. So I would say that uh, the, those two things should really be the thing. So like, first and foremost, you got to know your shit. Like you have to know your stuff. Uh, even if, and then if you don't know your stuff, you have to be honest and upfront about that and learn it in like the most humble and uh, objective way possible. That's, that's kind of my opinion on that. And so really to get noticed these days is, is pretty tough. But if you just like legitimately show that you know, then I think you'd be in a good spot. That's, that's my advice. Yeah, speaking of certifications, what's the latest with the driveline certification that's coming out soon? So, uh, the coder certification right now is in like uh, beta testing. We're actually testing it uh, in house, so all the employees have like a have like a login code for it, and we're just like basically going through the the level one and just like checking for bugs and stuff like that. I believe the launch date is sometime in mid June, um, but yeah, so it's it's. I, I probably can't say too much about it, but that's fine. That's it looks pretty. It looks pretty sweet. I think that people are really gonna like it because it's not, you know, it's uh, it, it's what you would expect. Like Sam has been spending. Sam Breen, if, if you're not familiar with him, or for the people who are listening, but if uh, Sam has spent countless hours doing this, like has taken time away from like other things that could have been important for him and his own development as a as a trainer, and has just been pouring his heart and soul into this certification. And I'm I'm really happy with how it looks so far. So kudos to him, but I, I think, I think it'll be great. I think it'll be awesome for us. And yeah, for, I'm, I'm excited and I hope it's really hard um, so that we could yeah. weed out a lot of people. And it, if it's the harder it is, the more it'll force me to learn. So I'm excited for that. Most definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, I don't really know how, uh, how hard all of it is because I haven't finished it, but definitely it's definitely going to be challenging for sure. For sure. But luckily like Sam's such a good teacher, like the videos break it down so well. So I think, I think it'll be good. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I'll finish up with some rapid fire today. Uh, some right. get to know a little, little personal side of Rob Hill. Uh, right, favorite movie. Oof, okay. So, Are you a big movie guy? 
I am, I don't know. It's kind of a, like a, not an argument, just kind of a, like a funny point of contention that I'm having my roommates lately. Like they, they crush movies and shows. And I, I just like am not the biggest movie and show guy. Like I like them, okay. but I know that, I know that me as a person is someone who can get very like sucked in and like very, like uh, very stuck doing things. Yeah. So I kind of have to like almost check myself and limit the amount of like exposure that I give myself to like media. Yep. So I've become less of a movie guy, but if, uh, if I had to pick one movie, geez. Um, oh man. I'm going to go, I'm going to go Nacho Libre just for, uh, just, <laughs> I can't think of anything else. Yeah. That, that, that's just, that's, that's what I'm going to go with. Yeah. We'll go with that. Just because the acting's so good in that one. I just love that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, visual masterpiece. Jack Black <laughs> never, just never really brings it home. Yeah. I've never seen anybody better than that, but. Yeah, we'll go with that. Favorite musical artist? Favorite musical artist. Um, okay, that that's a tough one for me because I'm a, I'm a huge music guy. But uh, you gotta you gotta help me out a little bit. You gotta like give me like three genres because okay. I have, so like, let's I let's go. Really yeah, let's go. You're you're working out. First one's workout working music. Out? Yeah. Okay, that that that's another one. That's another one. So my throwing. Am I doing like, <laughs> I, yeah, no, no, I'm not kidding. Like, I love max throwing, out. A max out? Yeah. Okay. Either, uh, Amon Amars. So like, uh, like a Viking metal, uh, but typically it's, it's dubstep. So it'll be like Zomboy. Okay. Or, um, yeah. Something like Zomboy Skrillex, that, that kind of stuff. Zomboy's. Okay. So max out, pull down. Max out, pull down. Um, whatever you, whatever you want to do throwing. throwing yeah. Uh, so it used to be that kind of stuff, but then I realized that I was, it, it kind of like messed me up. I was almost trying to like deadlift my like fastballs. Yeah. It's just like, isn't it? Like you kind of have to be like a little bit more relaxed in yep. a sense. And so uh, I, I was crushing that kind of stuff, but then now it's more so um, like upbeat EDM with less of like a negative connotation that like the dubstep yeah. stuff kind of has like less hardcore, more like free flowing. Like yeah. So like a gal- Galantis is like what I kind of crush when I throw high intent now. So is that the same for pull downs and mound velo, or is there a separate playlist for that? Uh, I haven't pulled down in a couple of years, but okay. when I did when I did pull down, it was it was the dubstep stuff. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, cooking out, like just hanging out at the house. Uh, Revolution. Okay. Yeah, a little little reggae. Um, let's see if there's any other. Driving to work. Car music. Oof. Uh, what's the weather like? <laughs> Seattle, man. It's 50 and raining. Oh, come on. Okay. Uh, Dead Mouse or... Uh, Dead Mouse does fit that weather really well. Very well. Or, uh, let me think, Dead Mouse, Getter, uh, Joji, if you know who, who he is. He's kind of just like a sad boy, like songs. I don't know. It just kind of fits the mood. Just puts okay. me in like angsty. Yeah, so I'd say those guys, or uh, or like Suicide Boys, depending on the day. Uh, any other genres that you like, depending on the? I mean, do you listen to it all? Country, I rap, mean, anything? I listen to yeah, literally everything. Okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes like some logic is good. I, I kind of yeah. am a fan of everything. I don't. I'm not really like anti any sort of music. I can kind of get down with with whatever classical. Sometimes I'll just turn on the facility and people are like, "What the hell is this?" But whatever. I'm going to change this rapid fire question for everyone from now on. It'll no longer be your favorite musical artist. I'm going to give them three scenarios. They have to tell me their favorite song. Because I, I totally agree with you. Like, if I'm dead oh, yeah. with Max out, it's going to be way different than if I'm, like, hanging by the pool or 
um, doing something else. So, yeah, it's so nuanced. Like, it's so different depending on like what I want to hear and like what's going on in life and just like in general. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, are you a reader? Oh uh, yeah, I am. Okay. So, favorite book? Um, or if maybe. there's just like some reading material like online that you always go to when you're either for pleasure, or for career advancement, something like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, Kyle has tweeted about this before, and and a couple of years ago when I was kind of deciding like what I want to do with baseball and just whatever, I asked Kyle for some recommendations in terms of reading, and he uh, told me No Regrets by Lyle McDonald. I don't know if you've uh, heard of that before, but it basically is a, an online blog on a so it's like a bodyrecomposition.com it's Lyle's website where he basically just details how he walked away from his life he was like working in Texas selling books and just like not really doing anything with his life and decided he kind of wanted to do something ridiculous and he previously had a he previously had experience with inline skating downhill inline skating and uh, decided that he was going to move to Utah uh, and try to make the Olympic team in uh, what's it called like short circuit uh ice speed skating and he was like 37 short track yeah short track yeah so yeah, that's crazy he was like 37 dropped everything and just like moved to utah for six years and tried to make the olympics and uh it's it's a really really good story of just like what it actually means to go all in and that's kind of just like shaped a lot of the past few years of my life so that i'd say that's my favorite thing that i've read uh, online uh some of my favorite books uh would be like ego is the enemy. I don't know if you've heard of that. Uh, yep. Ryan holiday, really good one. Obviously yep. the way some author. I'm like halfway um, through that one. Yeah. I, I really like those two. Those are two of my favorites. Uh, a few years ago, I read start with why I like that one quite a bit. Uh, the Simon Sinek. Um, I recently read the sports gene. That was an incredible book. I don't know if you've read that one. Heard of it. It's on the, it's on the to read list. Yeah, that one is. I, I would I would bump that one close to the top because that was easily one of the best books I've ever read. Just very very engaging. Like I couldn't. I I, I I'm a big. Uh, unfortunately, a big like start a book, read like a hundred pages, and then just like get busy and then kind of forget yeah. to finish it. So like, this, yeah, this book like completely captivated me, and I, I finished it in like four days because it was just so good. So my problem with that is I try to read before bed, and there's two issues with it right now. Is that I usually end up falling asleep or pretty much falling asleep during the reading. So I don't want to do something that's like too career development because then I miss sure. pages here or there. Uh, exactly. And then I don't want something that's too stimulating because then I stay awake. So <laughs> yeah, that's, find that's a, different, a different point in the day to read that. Yeah. So I, I would say those are good. I, I'm honestly a big, uh, I'm a big philosophy guy as well. Just like, I think it's interesting to kind of like screw with your own head and kind of just push the limits of like how you think. And so I've, I've read, quite a bit of uh Soren Kierkegaard um John Paul Sartre guys like that some uh, old like existential philosophers uh philosophers and uh you know I'll read uh Sun Tzu's Art of War occasionally some The Prince Machiavelli read that stuff so I don't know just kind of kind of dip my toes in a little bit of everything I think it's all like as long as there's my my kind of thing is like as long as I can find I can eke out some sort of applicability like I'm down for for whatever yeah yeah. So does that mean you like conspiracy theories as well? Uh yeah. I mean, they're fine. There's uh, there's something in there. I, I'm more of a YouTube video uh, conspiracy theory guy. Gotcha. It's fun to hear what those. It's fun to hear what those YouTube whack jobs have to say. About yeah, I was gonna say so you can hear the the real deep messed up <laughs> random ones. That yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That's great. It's pretty, it's pretty wild what some people will cook up. Yeah. So what's your favorite conspiracy theory then? 
Or one that you believe is actually true? One that I believe is actually true? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Um, I would say like 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 Bigfoot and that kind of stuff. Okay. I, I could get down. I could get down with that. Like, would you get, you consider that a conspiracy theory, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, there's okay. no proof or to like it. Like urban so legends, kind of? Yeah. yeah, I would I would go with that. I would definitely... Uh, I, I can get down with there being some sort of like ominous, like large woodland creature, like just like living in in the woods somewhere. I can I can believe that. What about aliens? Where are you stand with aliens? I'm in on aliens the most. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. They got to be real. There's no way we're the only like quote unquote <laughs> intelligent life in the universe. Like that's just not a thing. Like no shot. Yeah, I just read some someone's tweet the other day where it said they're doing like measurements to like different planets and stuff. Yeah. And I think it said we're like 1.2 billion light years away from some star. And it, like yeah. you try to think about that distance for a second and you can't. Um, yeah, it's like impossible. Yeah. It, it, you know, you're like, I don't even know where to begin, how to process that. So I think yeah. I'm with you there. There's got to be some type of life. Something, right? Like Something out there, yeah. it can't be, it can't be just us out here, like trying to figure out like how to order Uber Eats and, you know, like there's got to be something better than this, you know? Well, hopefully not better. Cause I, I like, if an Independence yeah, Day scenario starts playing out, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, that's that would not be ideal. That would be I, less than that. Yeah, I'd much more like it if we're the supreme being and it's someone else. It's like you know, just yeah. I mean, just I don't, trying, I don't even, just trying, like not to kill each other type thing. Yeah, that would be good. I would agree. That would be good. All right, uh, alternate career. If someone said you cannot do anything in baseball or strength conditioning, um, what okay. would you do? Oh. Oh, I okay. Wait, wait. What do you? What would you think if you had to guess? What would you think? I, I this one. This one typically throws people for a loop. Uh, backup dancer. Uh, honestly, pretty close. Yeah, I'm, uh, musical theater. Okay. Musical theater or uh, radio or uh, something, something mm-hmm. entertainment. Uh, because that's that's honestly, I kind of had to make a choice when I was in eighth grade. because uh, uh, it was either like go to the public high school in my city or travel forty five minutes away. <laughs> Uh, to go to this private high school to play baseball. And so I kind of had to make the choice between like theater and like the arts and stuff like that and baseball. And uh, clearly I chose baseball. So if I had to, if I had to uh, do a different path, it would be something, something in, something in the arts. So musical, musical theater, like singing the whole, like the whole nine yards. Yeah, the Not whole just nine acting. Yards. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. The whole nine yards. That, that was a, a, a lot of the stuff that I was into. Cause so it's also something I kind of realized about baseball is, is I like competing and like, I like winning. But I, I really like performing. That's kind of yeah. what I, I realized, like, especially more recently uh, as I've just, like, gotten older and, like, reflected on, like, playing and stuff. Is like, all right, well, I, I've thrown 95 now, whatever. I've done, like, all the stuff that, like, I always wanted to do with baseball. Maybe not all the stuff, but in terms of, like, physical ability, it's like, why don't I want to play? It's like, oh, well, maybe, like, I didn't want to play really that bad. I just kind of wanted to, like, put on a show, if that makes sense. Do you think that you would like performing in something that you're not good at, though? So like my, my question is here, does the competitiveness still play into that? Yes. So that, that's that. actually, it's a great question um, because that's like dance rush, that game that you yeah. uh, that I play. Yeah. So like first time I went to that, like I went with Kyle and I was terrible. Like I had never played before, but like it was fun because there was like a competition element to it. So I think there, right. there is still something there for sure, but it's because uh, like I was, I was like awful. Like I'm saying he, he literally asked me, he's like, have you never played like a dance game before? Right. And I was like, nope. Never, first time, but yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it kind of depends, I guess. I know for myself, it's, I agree with you, like the performing thing. Like I like pitching, being the guy on the mound that everyone watched. 
I like exactly. public speaking when I know what I'm talking about and it's like a strength conditioning yeah. presentation. Um, but I'm extremely introverted. So it's kind of weird. Um, but like the thought of, I don't, my mom's a music major or, uh, mm-hmm. and I have, you know, like an okay singing voice, but the thought of doing like a solo in front of a bunch of people would be terrifying to me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It's more of like, I don't care about performing as much as I do is like showing off a skill if that makes sure, sense. Sure, yeah, yeah. And I, I think that I like I like the aspect for both of those things. And then if there's some sort of competitive element to that, I think that's where it's, like, really fun. Because it's, like, uh, obviously pitching is, like, a very intimate thing, right? You're, like, like it's you versus, like, one guy, and you guys are just, like, kind of going to war together. Whereas, like, uh, it, it'd be a little bit different if it was, like, you guys were singing against each other or something. Because it's, like, your own individual thing versus his exact own individual thing rather than, like, two different things, I guess. Yeah, I still think it's rooted in a, in a egotistical pride on my part, though, to show show that I'm better than someone at something. No, that's totally fair. I mean, that definitely plays a role. <laughs> that's that when you say performing, I like doing that if I'm better than everybody else. But if not, then yeah. I'm not going to do it, and then you can't say that you're better than me. So, yeah, that's. I mean, that's fair. That's a, like I, I definitely uh, have experienced the exact same stuff. So yeah, I, I like to uh, I like to perform when I'm ready. Let's say that. Yeah. Definitely. Like uh, I did like a couple of dance rush tournaments, but like I didn't do them until I knew that like I had the songs memorized and like I could like crush it, like step up there and just like destroy. So, so that's yeah. a good example. I would never go play that game with you guys. I would really like if I got into it, I yeah. would go play it on my own until I got good enough to go with you guys. Yeah, see, that's fair. I mean, I, I I completely understand. But that. I would never do it, and I would sit there and practice until I got good at it, and not let anyone see me fail. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I I get that. That that's kind of what I did with uh, this growing stuff the past few months. Is I was just like, all right, like I'm gonna do this for me. Like I'm just gonna do this to have fun. Like I don't care what anyone really has to say about it. So then, like, I kind of just decided, like, I'm gonna throw on my own, and then just kind of see what happens. So, um, like I'll 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 bring I'll talk to people if I need to, but like for the most part, this is like my my deal. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Definitely. Yeah, and then when I like realized okay i'm actually like figuring some stuff out then i was a little bit more comfortable throwing like with, with other people around so yeah yeah no, i i get that that makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah i can't thank rob enough for taking some time out of his very busy schedule uh to sit down with me for a few minutes and just review his career and everything that he's learned in the last few years uh, and how he went from a struggling juco pitcher to uh someone that has recently hit 95 so uh very impressive just in that alone and also how he's been promoted a few times since starting at driveline and really worked his way up and anyone that has that kind of work ethic i really respect being able to meet rob and see how he works with athletes it is very inspiring to me and i think other people in field as well um, to just see how he goes about things at at such a young age he's pretty mature um, in that regard at least and uh, just really enjoyed getting to know him a little bit more getting a better look inside what they're doing at driveline so thank you rob i hope everyone enjoyed the episodes as always please subscribe rate and review and let me know if you have any ideas for future podcast episodes thanks